Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, so we're in the Gospel of John. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, you may remember Jesus is in this scene. He's in the upper room with the remaining 11. Judas has already left. And he's, what, what's happening is Jesus is trying to say goodbye. He's trying to say goodbye to these guys. And it is emotional. This is, this is, this is a very emotional moment for Jesus. Uh, he's been with these guys for three years. These are his friends. They're, they're effectively, these guys have effectively become his family, and he's getting ready to go. So as we begin today, uh, it's, you know, it might be a good, a good question to ask, might be a good uh, you know, thing to set the mood for a moment. Have you ever in your life had to say a very difficult goodbye to someone? And have you known that it was coming? Maybe it was a relationship that ended you had to break up with somebody or, or someone broke up with you. Maybe a friend of yours moved away and you said you'd stay in touch and keep in touch, but you knew that this was the end of things. Or maybe it was someone that, that passed on, that passed away, a loved one, or even a pet. When you have to say a very difficult goodbye, there's a weight to the situation. There's an emotion that comes up in you. There's a sadness. And it's easy sometimes to read these verses and read them dry. You know, you can read the scriptures and read them dry and just pronounce the words on the page and say this, 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 and that. But there, there, there was emotion in the room. It was thick. Jesus' Jesus's eyes definitely had tears in them as he brings this stuff to them. And he's trying to help them understand, when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. They don't quite get that. So what he kind of talks about is joy, overwhelming joy. When, when I go, the Holy Spirit is going to come take root in you. And, and get this, okay, because for us it was seven days ago when we talked, if you were here last Sunday, remain in me and I will remain in you. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Do you guys remember that? Anybody remember what I said last Sunday? Just checking. Okay, good. We're, we're here. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Make your life in me. Make your, have your living in me. Do your living in me. And I will remain in you and joy will overflow. Joy, something will flow out of you. Your life will produce something to the world around you. He's trying to help these guys understand that, but it is slow going. They're a little slow on the uptake. We're going to forgive them for that because this is confusing stuff. But this is where we find Jesus and the 11. He's trying to prepare them for goodbye. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith for you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. This is because they've never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. 
I didn't tell you earlier I was going to be with you a while longer, but now, now our time is short. Do you see that in the text? Do you get that in what's written? Now the time is growing short. Now we don't have a lot of time left anymore. I need to hit you with this. I need to tell you this. I'm telling you this now. Did you catch this in verse 1? I'm telling you this now so that you won't abandon your faith. I'm letting you know this so that you won't abandon. You're going to be tempted to abandon your faith. You, you 11, you guys, you're going to want to call it quits. You're going to want to hang it up. It is going to be so difficult for you. What's coming is going to be really hard. You will be expelled from the synagogue. This temple that you love, this, this church family, right, that you love so much, they're not going to let you back in anymore if you believe in me. This is going to cause divisions in your family. This is going to cause divisions at the temple. Your life is about to get very, very difficult. And I'm telling you this now so you won't abandon your faith. You don't quite get it now, but later you'll understand the warning. Later, you're going to understand what I'm bringing to you. This is going to be difficult. And the 11, you could just sort of see them going, what does he mean? What's going to happen? What, like, we're already, we're already so sad that he's leaving. We're already, the 11 are like, this is the worst day ever. I can't believe he's going, and, and, and we're going to get kicked out of temple, and, and, and it's going to get harder, and we're going to want to abandon our faith. Like, what on earth? This is just a landslide of emotions to the, to the disciples. This is not something they're easily able to sort through. This is a very confusing moment for them. So Jesus is trying to prepare them. He's trying to help them understand. I need to tell you this now so you won't abandon your faith. Verse 5. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. That is a dig. We'll come back to that in a minute. Not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Leave that verse up there for just a moment, please. This is John chapter 16, 10. I want you to pay attention because that verse is a theological shotgun blast. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay, oh, you take the verse down now, thank you. Like, that is... That is that is powerful, okay? That is something we need to chop up. But let's go first, let's, before we do that, let's go back to the beginning of that passage. None of you are asking where I'm going. Now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and none of you are asking where I'm going. That is a dig. These are Jesus' friends. Like, they're his family, and he's talking, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm going, I'm going. And their whole deal is, you can't leave, you can't go. What will we do? What will happen to us? What's going to happen to us when you leave? If you leave, it'll be terrible for us. Like, not one of them has said, oh, by the way, Jesus, where, where are you going? No one has said, hey, what's going to happen to you? you? You look a little sad. Like, none of the 11 are doing anything to try to care for Jesus, who is demonstrably distressed by all of this. 
None of them are going, are you going to be okay? What's going to happen to you? Is there anything we can do to help you? No, there's none of that. They're just mourning and grieving because of what this change is going to mean to them. So I'm going to the Father. You won't see me. Then you'll see me again. I'm going to the Father to prepare the way. I'm going to build the bridge, he says. I'm going I'm to bridge the gap. The sins of humanity have been stacking up and stacking up and stacking up for millennia, and I'm going to go pay the tab. I'm going to go pick up the check so that your sins will not weigh you down anymore, so that you will no longer be pinned down by your sin, striving and striving and striving to be righteous and never able to attain it. I'm gonna go make it so that you can go directly to God. I'm gonna build the bridge between you and God. I will close the gap. I will close the chasm that's been created by your sin. This stuff that separates you from God, it won't separate you from God any longer. I'm gonna close that gap so that, so that, so that you can get to God directly. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father. What does that mean? Righteousness is available? How is righteousness available? Righteousness, righteousness is not available. Righteousness is earned. Right? Is how much, I mean, they didn't speak with a British accent, I think. But they, they must have heard that wrong. Righteousness is available? Righteousness is not available. Righteousness is something you earn. Righteousness is a status bestowed upon you when you are good enough. Righteousness is something you get to be when you have done enough, served enough, when you have given enough money, when you have, when you have been holy enough, when you have prayed enough and fasted enough and memorized enough scripture and become the, 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 this righteous, holy person. Then and only then might someone be referred to as righteous. How could righteousness be available Oh, he says it right before. Don't miss this. Don't sleep on this. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Did you catch that? The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. So, so what we've got right here in this double barrel like theological blast is this. Righteousness is no longer, because of the work I'm doing, because of the cross, righteousness is no longer a matter of your heritage. Righteousness is not bestowed upon you because you were born into the right family or the right lineage or the right nation or the right tribe. Righteousness is no longer bestowed upon you because of your heritage. And righteousness isn't bestowed upon you anymore because of your behavior, because of what you do or what you say or how good you are or how holy you are. Righteousness is now a matter of whether or not you believe in me for the forgiveness of your sins. Righteousness is now available. That is new information. This is a whole new paradigm. This is a whole new way of looking at things. I'm building the bridge. You can go directly to the Father now. And this, by the way, may answer a question that many of you have asked me, and some of you have surely thought and not asked, which is, what's the difference between 
the way we believe at True North and say the Catholic Church, for example. Many of you come from a Catholic background. I do as well, I grew up Catholic. I love the Catholic Church. I love our Catholic brothers and sisters. Uh, we'll be, all be in heaven with all the Catholics and Methodists and Baptists. We'll, like, that's, that's not even a question, okay? Don't, don't think like that. But some of you have left uh, that, that faith or that church. Some of you have, still have dual citizenship, right? Some of you go to Mass on Saturday night and you're still here on Sunday. I see you. I got you. It's cool. You know, uh, you got two passports. You're allowed. It's cool. Um, and some of you are like, you come to a church here. I, I can't tell you how many times, like, grown men and women have come to me and gone, my mother would kill me if she knew I was here. It's cool. It's all right. But you've asked, well, what's the primary difference? One of the big primary differences between the Catholic Church and Protestant believers, every Christian on the planet who is not Catholic is Protestant. So... If you're a believer in Jesus and you're not Catholic, um, there's, a, there's a key difference. If you happen to be a Catholic, the church is your route to get to God. The church is the way you connect with God. For example, uh, growing up as a Catholic, I didn't simply just confess my sins to God. I went to church and went to confession and confessed them to a priest who delivered absolution. Uh, as a, a growing up Catholic, I didn't just read the Bible. I went to church and I read the Missalette, which were the verses the church chose for me to read. And if that's the way you believe, that's fine. Catholics and Protestants both all believe that our sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, so we're, we're clear on that. But this whole thing of the church being the bridge, you've heard the, you've heard the Pope referred to as the pontiff, yeah? Pontiff is a shortened version of the Latin phrase Pontifex Menixum or Pontifex Maximus, which means the, the, the main keeper of the bridge. The Pope actually wears that in his hat. I am the keeper of the bridge. So it's a big difference. And I love our Catholic brothers and sisters, and I'm not here to pick a fight, but, this, but Jesus is saying something a little different here. He's saying, uh, actually, I'm the one who builds the bridge. And if you want to get to God, you have access now through me. And you don't have to come, you don't have to cross into me. You don't have to tell me what to tell God. You're going to get to go talk to God directly. Everyone with me on this? All right, let's move forward. Uh, we spent a lot of time on that. Uh, verse, verse 16. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Everyone know what he's talking about? Okay, good. Just, just checking. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I am going to the Father? And what does he mean by in a little while? We don't understand. There are, um, regularly in the, in, the, in the New Testament, there are these asides, like Jesus, like, shares a parable, Jesus tells a story, Jesus, you know, uh, explains something, and then there's like a cutaway, and you see the disciples circled up in the cutaway going, what on earth is he talking about? Like, what does he mean by that? We don't get it. Which is one of the reasons, sidebar, one of the reasons I really believe these documents are, are authentic is because at no time in any of the Gospels does the writer write himself into the story as the hero. These are all written after Jesus' death and, and resurrection and ascension. So 
there was plenty of opportunity for one of these guys to go, yeah, most of these guys didn't get it, but I knew what he was talking about. That never happens. Every one of the authors writes themselves into the story as just as much of a doofus as everybody else. So now they're all, they're, they're, they're just, have you ever, um, where, where are my students at? Any students in the room, high school, college, middle school? Still asleep, kids. Okay, great. Um, a couple of you out there. Um, maybe you guys can remember, uh, maybe, or you know not to raise your hand because you're a student. Um, so maybe you can remember a time in your life. Have you ever been in class and just been lost? You ever been in a classroom and just been hopelessly lost? I mean, I can remember vividly algebra in the ninth grade. Vividly this sensation of looking, I'm sure it won't surprise you to learn math has never been my strong suit. You know, I was more of an English and history guy, you know. Uh, but I, I just remember looking at the, the blackboard, hearing my professor talk, uh, professor, my teacher, my high school uh, math teacher talking, and I just remember going, I don't understand, there's letters there. Math doesn't have letters. Math was hard enough when it was just numbers. Why are there letters? And just going, I don't understand any of what he's writing down. And everybody else around me seems to get it. And I alone seem to be the one that is just hopelessly confused. And the more he talks, the, more, the further behind I fall. It, it's a nauseating feeling. It's a terrible feeling. And that's what the disciples are experiencing. You're going to go away? What is he talking about? He's going to go away. And then we're not going to see him. But then he's going to come back in a little while. And then we're going to see him. And what does he mean by he's going to the Father? Isn't he supposed to be one with the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? Is that five minutes? Is that ten minutes? Is that a week? Is that a month? You ever have somebody, I'll pick you up in a little while. <laughs> what does that mean? They're just confused. They don't get it. And Jesus, you know, uh, I don't, think he needed to, I don't think he needed to use any divine power to read the room on this one. Uh, verse 18. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, in a little while you won't seem... I'm sorry, I love to insert sarcasm like, over the top of this. I'm, I can't help myself. I said, in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. Back to joy again. It's a theme. Now understand this. It was seven days ago when we talked about joy overflowing. That was only a minute or two ago for these guys. This was just a few paragraphs ago when Jesus was talking about remain in me and I will remain in you. Stay in me. Stay with me. Stay in your lane. 
persevere, endure. This is going to get hard. This is going to be difficult. This is absolutely categorically going to suck. You're going to hate this. What's coming next is going to be awful and painful, and you're going to want to abandon your faith, and they're going to kick you out of the synagogue, and you're going to be confused. Like, this this is going to be terrible. But if you can endure, if you can stay with me, if you can stay in your lane for a little while and push through, and not just abandon your faith, if you can push through the hurt... Anybody here have to just push through a little hurt today? Anybody here have a little difficulty just having to, to push through? Maybe for you the first day of spring didn't just bring rainbows and sunshine and happiness. Maybe for you the first day of spring came in heavy. And maybe there's a lot to push through. This is Jesus saying, it's going to be difficult. I'm not telling you otherwise. Listen up. This is going to be really hard. But if you stay in your lane and you push through, there is going to be a joy on the other side of this that no one will ever be able to take from you. There is a joy coming. There's something on the other side of this that no one will ever be able to take from you. A joy not dependent on circumstances. No, make no mistake. Your circumstances are going to be very difficult. This wealth and prosperity stuff doesn't, st that doesn't stand up to these verses. It doesn't line up. Now, the blessed and highly favored crowd don't love these verses very much. This is going to hurt. It's going to be terrible. You're going to have to endure. But then there's going to be overwhelming joy. Next verse. This is uh, verse 28. Sorry, 25. I have spoken of these things. I'm sorry, I've spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I'll stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. Catch that? This is big. I'm not going to ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. I am building the bridge. And you won't have to, you'll ask in my name. You'll invoke my name in, in the equation. But you don't have to ask me to ask God for you. You don't have to go to me to talk to God. You don't have to route this through me. You don't have to route it through the synagogue. You don't have to route it through a church. You don't have to pray to a saint to pray for you. You just go right to your heavenly father and you're going to get to do that because righteousness is available. Righteousness now is bestowed upon you, not because you earned it and you're such a holy person and you're the second coming of Mother Teresa. No, it's bestowed upon you because of what you believe you believe in me, I'm going to tell you plainly. And now the dawn starts to break. Verse 29. Then his disciples said, At last you're speaking plainly, like thank you. At last you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. They're trying. They think they get it. They're not there yet, but they're trying. And then Jesus concludes with this, for this in this chapter. It's not the conclusion of his discourse, it's this chapter. Verse 31. Jesus asked, do you? 
Do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. You will be scattered, each one going. How, how horrible a thing must it have been for Jesus to know? None of them remained. At the crucifixion, there are 11 trails of smoke in different directions away from the cross. None of them maintained faith. You're all going to leave me. I'm telling you this because it's going to get difficult. I'm telling you this because you're going to need to remember to endure. This is the deep breath before you are submerged. You're going to have to endure something very, very difficult. In this world, pay attention, church, because you don't hear these verses a lot these days. In this world, you will, not maybe, not might, not perhaps, you will have trials and many sorrows. Did you catch that? That'll preach in Kiev. That'll preach in Moldova. That'll preach in Port-au-Prince. That'll preach in New Delhi. That'll preach in Calcutta. That'll preach in the developing countries of the world where people experience sorrow and hardship every day. That doesn't preach if you're just trying to be blessed and highly favored and you live in some plastic hallelujah version of Christianity that isn't real. Real faith takes guts. Real, real faith is hard. Real faith means there's going to be sorrow and trial, but we endure and we stay in our lane and we persevere because like Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, we stay in our lane because we know there's joy on the other end of that trial and sorrow. We know that there's something coming. We know something, if we stay plugged into him and we remain in him and we abide in him, something will come up out of us which, which supersedes the circumstance, which is bigger than the circumstance circumstance. It's bigger than the pain we find ourselves in. It still hurts. It's not that it doesn't hurt. The pain is real and the difficulty is real, but we have this promise that joy is coming. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And right there, right there at that point is where Jesus leaves us for the moment, and we will pick it right up here next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we're thankful that we get to believe in this joy that many of us have experienced. And that, Father, we don't have to, to earn righteous standing with you. That we don't have to work our way into your good graces. That we don't have to perform and perform and give and serve and study and, and, and dig our way out of this ditch. That, Father, righteousness is available because of the work you did on the cross. We're so grateful. Create faith with us, within us to believe this, to put our faith in this, to stay and remain and abide in you so that even when the sorrow comes, even when the difficulties come, even when life is hard, we can endure and persevere and hang on for the joy set before us. May that be true in my life. May that be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. 
hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.